Praise the Lord, everybody. As we were singing that song, I was thinking again, and I know there's witnesses in this house of the psalmist's words, I have been young, and now I'm old, he says, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging for bread. There's any witnesses in the house to that tonight. Amen. Let's stand together. I love this church, love your pastor, love Brother Chuppy, and all that uh, God is doing in Bismarck, and I'm thankful uh, to to know everyone that is connected to this church and just the kingdom-mindedness. And uh, God's doing great things in Fargo. We are thankful for all that, that he's doing. And, um, and tonight I do feel uh, I have a word from God that I'd like to share. And uh, I just want this to be our prayer tonight. As we hear the word of God, it really does no good if it's not mixed with our faith. The word is powerful, and it can move mountains, it can do anything, but it has to be mixed with the faith of the hearer. And so as James says, let's be doers of the word and not hearers only. And if that's your prayer, I wonder if one more time you can put your Bible down and just lift up your hands and with an open heart begin to just make that your prayer to the Lord tonight. God, I commit my works to you, my thoughts, my actions, my will, God, we turn it to you. Lord, let our faith increase in this house. Lord, let your word go forth with power, with anointing on every ear and heart to receive it, God, that there would be a demonstration, Lord, of your love and mercy in this hour. And we give you all the praise and glory for it, God. Let faith arise in this house. Mix it with your word that never fails, God. And Lord, we understand, God, that you can do anything, but Lord, today we believe you for it. We trust you for it. Move hearts and minds closer to you. Amen. In Jesus' name. If you have your Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 20. And, uh, and it is so good to see everyone here. And I uh, love this church again and, and uh, miss, uh, miss this church and, and everyone here. And uh, it's always a joy to come back. So thank you, Brother Paulson, for uh, asking, asking me to speak tonight. Amen. And as my friend Josh has said, we're going to go try to scare some deer the next few days. Probably won't shoot any, but we're going to go try to scare some deer, and, and uh, there'll be some arrows flying, but they probably won't hit much. So, Matthew chapter 20, we're going to read verses 6 and 7. It says, In about the eleventh hour he went out and found others standing idle, and said to them, Why have you been standing here idle all day? They said to him, Because no one hired us. He said to them, You also go into the vineyard, and whatever is right, you will receive. Whatever is right, you will receive. For just a couple minutes tonight, I just want to speak on this subject entitled Kingdom Wages. Kingdom Wages. You can be seated tonight. And this 11th hour worker parable is one that has been spoken to generations throughout the centuries. And I believe, though, in the world that we live in, it's becoming even more relevant as we look at the world around us. And I believe that the generation we're living in and, and how, looking at it, how unfathomable the things that some, uh, you know, some of, of the church even today is facing just from a few years ago, uh, some of the things that we're facing just seems impossible. And, and as we get closer to the coming of the Lord, this 11th hour worker parable is becoming even more relevant. Some of the things that we're fighting with identity and gender confusion, the violence and the warring and nation against nation, Church, I'm here to just remind you again tonight that the sun is setting and darkness is becoming more and more evident. Evening time has come. 
And so the immediate reality, though, in Matthew chapter 20 was Jesus was speaking to his disciples that his time on earth, his ministry on earth was coming to an end and his suffering and his passion were nearly at hand. So we, we can read about it. We know what that looked like, that triumphal entry into Jerusalem. That was just in a few days. That was going, they were going to be with him at the, the Last Supper. They were going to be with him in the Garden of Gethsemane. They were going to be with him at the cross. And he was just giving them a little bit of a warning and a pair, I would say this, a parable to uh, waken their hearts and minds to what was coming. The disciples would find themselves with Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane where we, we know the story how in the most powerful moment in Jesus' time and why he was on the earth, his suffering and his passion, we find in the 11th hour of Jesus' ministry when he needed his disciples the most. The Bible records in Matthew chapter 26 and verse 40 that he came to his disciples in the garden and he found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, what, Peter, could you not watch with me? And it's interesting, he says, one hour. You see, this is the immediate context of Matthew chapter 20 as well. The garden is coming and Jesus was preparing his disciples, speaking directly to them of the coming betrayal and his death. And it was promised it was going to happen. And so I just again want to remind all of us tonight that Jesus is still coming back for his church. And there's coming a day when the eastern sky is going to split and and the bride and the bridegroom will become one. He's promised it in his word. And if we are if we believe this book, we have to believe in that eternal judgment. It's part of who we are as apostolic believers is we believe that the Lord is coming back. And as the first church would often, they would, they would say, they would live the lifestyle of Maranatha, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. You read the end of our Bible, we see those exact words, Lord, please, even so, come quickly. And if we ever lose sight of this fact that the Lord is coming soon, we will, I believe, be caught in, in an area as Matthew 20, the parable that that's Jesus is is speaking to them that applies to us today. We need to make sure we remember the times that we live in. And we need to never stop declaring that truth of the return of Jesus Christ. And really my heart is stirred at the absolute realization that we are living in the 11th hour. We are in that hour. The generation that we are living in right now is going to be, I believe this wholeheartedly, entrusted with that great end time in gathering, that great end time harvest. And what a privilege it is to live in this time. God could have chosen any time throughout the course of history to put you in. We were just talking about that today. We just, on the way here, we were talking about, you know, what era, if we could have an imagination station, if we could go back and ride on the adventure and, and what time would we love to see? And we, Josh and I were having this discussion. Man, we'd love to have a conversation with Paul and, and with Jesus' disciples. And, and all throughout church history, we go and we, we read about these things. But the reality is, is that if God wanted you there, he is sovereign enough to put you there. But think about the time that you live in right now is that he didn't choose Paul. He didn't choose Peter to live in this time. He didn't choose David or Samson. Uh, Samson? Yeah, Samson, thank you. 
He didn't choose any of those to live in this time. Who did he, he chose you and I, this end time harvest, this generation. And my prayer for this message is asking the Lord, Lord, what is it about this generation? What is it about the time that we live in? Because we are facing things that we would say are unprecedented. And this scriptural principle came to my memory. And in Matthew chapter 19, the words of Jesus in verse number 30, when he says, but many who are first will be last, and the last first. This is a kingdom principle and this kingdom truth that is explained in the parable of the vineyard. So if you have your Bible still open, Matthew chapter 20, we're going to read this parable. Verse number one, it says, the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. Now when he had agreed with the laborers for denarius a day, he sent them into his Vineyard, And he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace and said to them, you also go into the vineyard and whatever is right, I will give you. This is important to understand. The master here is saying in the third hour, the sixth hour, the ninth hour workers, he didn't agree with them on a certain wage, but he says, whatever is right, I will give you. So they went. Verse number five. Again, he went out about the sixth and the ninth hour and did likewise. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing idle and said to them, why have you been standing here idle all day? And they said to him, because no one hired us. He said to them, you also go into the vineyard and whatever is right, you will receive. You see, the workers hired first thing in the morning. They spent all day laboring in the dew of the morning and the heat of the day and they got their reward those hired in the third hour sixth hour ninth hour they labored and got their reward so the natural question for all of us is when the master instructs to give out the wages is what are they going to get because at the word of the master alone they got to work there wasn't an agreed upon Wage. The first group was contracted by the master for a penny a day, but the workers hired later, they didn't have that agreed upon wage. But the word of the master, and I hope someone hears me tonight, is whatsoever is right, I will give you. I just want to remind somebody that we do serve a God that is sovereign. And he does all things well. And there's no, when he makes a promise, the beautiful truth of this book, it's a reminder to us over and over and over again that the promises of God are yes and amen. And they are sure and right. And there's, in considering the rewards of working in the kingdom, the principle here, according to Matthew 20, is that the rewards of heaven are not calculated by the methods of earth. The rewards of heaven are not calculated by the addition and subtraction and multiplication that you and I have become accustomed to, no matter if you were raised on common core math or not. That was a joke, by the way. Is that we in our secular, in, in, in our earthly mindset, we have this thing about work where if we agree to a wage, we expect a wage. And here's the reality 
is that when we enter into contract and enter into covenant uh, with an employer, and my boss is here today, and so we always want more money, right? We always want a raise. Anyone said amen? We always want a raise, but we enter into contract, and there is an aspect of laboring for our reward. But in the kingdom of God, sometimes we have to lay aside some of the secular mindset that we have. And I would say this, a westernized, Americanized version of Christianity. Because the kingdom of God is, is pointing us to something that's so much deeper and so much greater. Because the word of the master was enough to get the third and the sixth and the ninth hour workers out of the marketplace and into the vineyard. There was no agreed upon wage. The Lord has promised a great reward to his faithful servants. It was not their because they didn't know what they were going to receive. But it was because of the promises of God. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 tells us this promise, that as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. The rewards of his kingdom are his to give. The rewards are not based on what we value. And I, I hope to stir something in us here tonight. We value things like talent, charisma, and intellect, and not sovereignty of the master. And not the word of the master. And sometimes we are leery to take a step further in our God-given calling and relationship because we're afraid of, am I going to get the proper wage? Am I going to return on my investment? And we calculate these decisions not based on the sovereignty of the master, but upon earthly decisions. And... The wages of the kingdom is not a debt that we are owed. But the wages of a kingdom is from the grace of Almighty God. So we must trust absolutely and wholly in that love and in his wages. You know, we can't come up with an estimation of the basis of our own work. And we can't afford to compare ourselves among ourselves. The, the God's idea of success in the kingdom of God is not the end results at the end of the story. God's idea of success for all of us is asking the question of what have we done with what we've been given. And so we don't compare ourselves among ourselves. And the Bible tells us those that do that are not wise. We don't compare ourselves. Why? Because God's faithful to give us exactly what he feels is best for us. And so the kingdom of God and ministry is all about two things, I believe. It's about preparation and it's about position. And I would say this uh, is where the church of Almighty God is at right now, is we need to take stock and inventory of ourselves individually. And whatever God has called you to do, I'm here to just encourage somebody today, is that the calling that God has on your life, everyone in this house has a calling on your life. 
It may not be behind a podium. It may not be in what we have established in Christendom as ministry in in this aspect of public speaking, but you are all ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You all have the ability to enter any room, whether it's your school or your employer or your workplace, wherever you're at, when you are there, you are God's ambassador and minister. And we've all been given the ministry of reconciliation, of being that in-between, reaching for a world. You see, what the master was doing in this parable in Matthew 20 is he was looking at the setting sun. He knew that darkness was coming But he was also in the same moment looking at the vineyard and seeing that the work is not done. And he was caught in between the vineyard and the setting sun. And the only thing that the master knew to do was to go out and get more laborers. You see, the the powerful truth about the parables of Jesus and especially the life and ministry of Jesus is he would show us these things that If you look, lift up your head and look out on the harvest and the the fields, they are already white, meaning they're ready to harvest. They're overripe. He says, don't pray for the harvest. The harvest is already there. But he says, pray for laborers to enter into the harvest. When we moved to Fargo, that was our prayer. We said, God, I know that there's a harvest in this city. I know that there's hungry souls in this city. I know that there are people desiring the truth in this city. God, we just need laborers to be able to reach them. And God, in his mercy and his sovereignty, he sent us laborers. One family from Phoenix, Arizona, just out of the blue, they said, you know what, we feel, when they talked with their pastor, and they said, we are going to move to Fargo, North Dakota. Knowing not a soul, they showed up and they have they have plugged into the kingdom of God. They are laborers working for the harvest in Fargo. Another family from Wisconsin, out of the blue, Fargo, North Dakota. That was an answer to the prayers we had prayed. God, send us laborers. God needs you. He needs the 11th hour church to really wake up and recognize that darkness is coming. And the struggle and the battle for us today is the fight is this the fight is idleness what the church is fighting today is not a strong demonic force it's not spirits that are greater than the spirit living in us it's idleness this is the parable of the 11th hour because the third hour workers the six hour workers They were found, the Bible says, by the master, idle in the workplace. And the workers in the 11th hour, they said no one has hired them. And the sharp contrast here that Jesus is revealing through these words. Think about the work of the vineyard. And he says they were found in the marketplace, standing idle. One commentary I read said this, many believe that this parable is not speaking that they were just sitting on an easy chair, not doing anything. But the marketplace represented the secular work and the secular marketplace literally that they didn't have a job, that they weren't working. But one commentary said it best this way, It says, all other work is but idleness 
in his sight. Compared with the great work, the work which God has given us to do. So we must not settle for idle work when the master has given us a divine call. Whether it's early or whether it's late, whatever our circumstances or secular employment, the call always comes first. There's no work like the work in the vineyard. In the eyes of Jesus, in the words of Jesus, Matthew 6 and verse 33, if you can quote it, you know it. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added unto you. And so the call to the 11th hour workers, the 11th hour workers were like, no one has, no one has called us. No one has compelled us to come. And they left the marketplace, the idle work, and went to work in the vineyard. Why? Because the sun was setting. The words of Brother Walters comes to my mind when I hear Matthew 6 and 33 and the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 20. And as soon as I start to say it, many of you will instantly know what I'm going to say. Only one life will soon be passed, but only what's done for Christ will last. I feel like tonight in this room, this is, this is what I have seen, and this is what has burdened me for this message tonight, is that sometimes we can count the costs of a calling beforehand. And we can consider the wages of the kingdom that they're maybe not quite enough for us. Because this is the reality, is that there are people in this room that are so incredibly gifted and talented. And the world, you don't think the devil wants your gifting and your talent? He wants it. The giftings and the talents, your God-given abilities, the enemy wants. And we know the wages of the world. This is what the Bible tells us. The wages of the world, Romans 6 and 23. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You see, the promise of a fair wage was all that these workers needed to get to work in the kingdom. And so the counting of the costs, and, and this is the tragedy is I've seen in young people's lives is that some people are so incredibly talented. I, I can think of individuals right now that were uh, so incredibly gifted and uh, Bible quizzers that were just amazing and had such an anointing on their life. And some of them today are incredibly um, successful in, a, in terms of what the world would call successful. But I just have this gut feeling that they had this God-given calling, that they were engaged, supposed to be engaged in something other than what they are doing right now. And yes, they probably come to church and they probably are still engaged in the kingdom of God. I'm not casting stones, but this I do know is that the calling of the vineyard should supersede any other calling. And this is the challenge to the 11th hour church is, are we going to be content with being idle in the marketplace and not engage in the harvest of the vineyard. Because sometimes we want both. 
How many of you want both? We want the security and the safety of the marketplace, but we also feel a call. No one's, we, we say things like, no one is called. I don't know what my calling is. I wish I could, I wish I could just hear from God and God would tell me what to do and where to go. But that's not the way the kingdom works. The kingdom comes to those who begin with that step of faith and say the vineyard is really all that's important in my life. It's seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And this is the reality about the wages we receive. We serve a God who is sovereign and he's just and he's right and he does all things well. And I will give you, third, sixth, ninth hour workers, what is right. See, the powerful truth about the time that we live in is I, working with young people in particular, I have seen, an, like an, I would say almost like an instant anointing, like 10, 11, 12, 13-year-old kids being used in the gifts of the Spirit. Just Monday night at our prayer meeting, a 14-year-old young lady gave a prophecy, a word of prophecy. And I look at this and I'm like, I feel this special touch on this generation in particular, a younger generation. And this is when I would ask God, God, what is it about this generation? And I just kept coming back to this parable. Hey, it's not because this generation is anything special. It's not that they're, I look back at the, the workers that were hired first in the day. They have toiled and they have uh, they have had sweat running down their brow all day. Think about the elders that have went before us who have went and dug out a work when it wasn't popular to be a tongue-talking, Holy Ghost-filled person. Everyone in this region thought that you were crazy. But now in Fargo, man, there are more spirit-filled churches than, than I could throw a stick at. Like talking in tongues and infilling of the Holy Ghost is just it's, it's cool. It's a different time. It's a different battle. It's a different struggle that we face. Think about the Brush Arbor meetings and having vegetables thrown. At, you can go and read stories about people that took a stand for truth and righteousness. And I'm so thankful for the third hour workers and the first hour workers and the sixth hour workers and the ninth hour workers. I'm thankful for everyone that has gone before us. But church, this is the reality is the 11th hour is upon us. And God's going to give to those working in the 11th hour just as much anointing in a one hour space He's going to give just as much gifts, just as much, I believe this wholeheartedly, miracles, signs, and wonders are going to grow exponentially in this 11th hour, not because this generation is anything special, just because the darkness and the time is coming to an end. And God is, if anything that will be, can be shaken, will be shaken. Maybe tonight you felt like you're in a desert season in your calling and You've been standing in the marketplace asking God for direction and it hasn't come yet. You've been sincere, you've been trusting, but because no one has asked to hire you, you have maybe lifted up your eyes outside the walls of the kingdom. Maybe at a relationship, at a career, at a university. And the longer that you have looked 
and waited, the more appealing the wages of these things have become. But I'm here to tell you tonight, the master is calling you. It's the 11th hour and the vineyard needs laborers. Matthew 20, the parable concludes with the wages being dispersed. It's payday. How many of you love payday? Love payday. Matthew 20, verse 8. So when the evening had come, the owner of the vineyard said to his steward, call the laborers and give them their wages. Beginning with the, here it is, beginning with the last to the first. You know, what I, what I find so funny about the kingdom of God and the kingdom that Jesus came preaching is it takes a lot of humility to walk in this kingdom. It takes a lot of humility to look at somebody who has worked one hour and you have sweat running down, your clothes are soaked, you've been toiling all day and they get paid first. The older I get, the more I realize that living for God is really about this simple truth. It's about humility. It's about the callings of God that are given without repentance. And it's up to the attitude of the individual who receives that calling, what we're going to do with it. What have we done with what we've been given? And the challenge in the spirit tonight to all of us is in humility, the Workers that were hired last, he says, begin with the last to the first. In verse number nine, and when those who had come who were hired about the 11th hour, they each received the penny. But when the first came, they supposed that they would receive more. I mean, naturally, you would think that would be the case, wouldn't you? They supposed that they would receive more, and they likewise received each a denarius. But when they had received it, they complained against the landowner, saying, These last men have worked only one hour, and you made them equal to us who have borne the burden and the heat of the day. Again, as I have asked God over the last few years and kind of wondered in amazement at the anointing that rests upon this generation, it seems like God has poured out gifts, abilities, and power in a greater dimension And I contrast that, again, with those who have gone before us. And here we sit today in a beautiful building that's comfortable and air-conditioned. We're here today because of laborers who answered the call before us. I don't know if that overwhelms you or not, but I'm overwhelmed when I consider those, somebody like a Brother Walters who came and just had a bulldog personality and faith to be able to dig out a work in Bismarck and as an apostle to this area, be able to establish works all throughout this, this region. And he just had the faith enough in the word of the master that the wages would be enough. Whatever they were, he was good with, but the wages would be enough. And it was at the promise of the master that he came. And Jesus talked about these in Matthew chapter 19, as I come to a close here tonight. Matthew 19 and verse 29. Jesus says this Everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands, everyone who has left all of these things for my name's sake 
shall receive a hundredfold and inherit eternal life. And here it is again, this kingdom principle. But many who are first will be last and the last first. The only thing I can surmise is not that this 11th hour generation is special or different than any generation, but simply God is sovereign. And consider the times. In church, I know what it's like. I'm bivocational. Your pastor works a job. And all of you work a job. I understand what it, I'm not telling you to don't go and quit your jobs tomorrow. But I am asking you to just consider again, if God asks you to quit your job tomorrow, to go into the vineyard, remember this parable is that the wages of the kingdom will be enough to sustain the call. Whatever God has called you to do, he doesn't call those that have it all together. The miracle that you've been praying for happens during the mission. The miracles, sometimes we have this idea of miracles that we come into a, a, a house like this and we are prayed for by the minister and the pastor and we get upset sometimes we don't see a miracle. I believe this, you read your Bible, miracles happened when it's always connected to mission. Miracles happen during the mission. So when you take a step of faith where you don't know what the future looks like, and again, I'm not telling you to go quit your jobs. I hope, hope, hope that's the... Enough disclaimer I need. But I am telling you to seek first the kingdom of God. Because any other work in the marketplace is idle work compared to the work in the vineyard. And so the miracles that I have seen in these last five years, by taking just, by answering the call, I know God has called us to be in Fargo. And by taking those steps of faith, of simple faith to just Move my family to Fargo, not really knowing what that was going to look like. I still have no idea what I'm doing. None. If you have any ideas on how to plant a church, come and see me. Because I have no idea what I'm doing. But this I do know is that in every step I take forward, it seems like God provides and works and gives miracles. Like absolute miracles and supernatural activity and doors that open that I have no idea how they open. All I know is that I have a mission from God. And I'm content tonight to tell you that the wages that he has promised, I don't know what they are, but I know that he's a good God. And I know that he will provide exactly everything that I need. I look at the great men and women who forsook the wages of the world for the promise of the master. That's what Jesus was referring to when he said, Many who are first will be last. And anyone who is left, houses, brothers, sisters, or fathers. Maybe God is calling some of you into a deeper role in your ministry. And you've been, been counting the costs. I don't know anything. I don't know any situations in this church tonight. I'm just trying to follow what God is speaking to somebody. You've been counting the costs. You've been maybe... maybe Wondering if the wages are going to be enough. The wages of the kingdom 
is at the discretion of the master. And he's good. And all he's looking for, he's just looking for a church in the 11th hour that's not idle. He's looking at the setting sun and he's looking at the harvest still to be collected. And he knows that there's just a short season left. You'll stand with me tonight. And so miracles, signs, wonders, healings, outpourings of the Spirit of God, baptisms, I believe whole church congregations, all, I believe entire denominations in this 11th hour are going to, and they are already coming to the knowledge of the truth. There are, there, there is such incredible things happening. Just when Brother Holloway was here, there's a great app that actually Josh and I and a couple of guys are involved with in Bible study called the Bible Project. It's a great app on uh, a lesson plan on the Bible app on your phone. And they come out with these videos and devotionals that are just incredible. And I, you know, I haven't seen one that I, I'm like, I don't agree. Like they are very well done. And Brother Holloway knows the head theologian for the Bible Project. And just recently, that theologian came out and told all of his all of his uh, people at the Bible Project that said, "You know what? I think this whole Trinity thing. I don't know, guys. I I think I think we've been wrong. Church, I'm telling you, there is such an awakening to truth right now in our world, and all God's looking for is just workers, and He's not looking for how talented you are. He's not looking for how charismatic you are." He's just looking you, looking at you and asking the question, are you content with the wages that I will give you? And the example to me is that the third, sixth, ninth hour workers, they were content with the wages because it came from the words and the promise of the master. And church, let that be our prayer tonight. The words of Paul when he wrote in Romans chapter 8 and verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? But he says, as it is written, for your sake, we are killed all day long. We are counted as, as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And verse 38, I am persuaded. I'm persuaded. That neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor any, I would add, if I could add, I would say, or political party, or persuasion, or smoke-filled rooms. Nothing to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So as we end tonight, I don't know... I don't know what the Holy Ghost wants to do, but I do want all of us just for a minute to close our eyes and if you're able to lift your hands and with an open heart, with faith, if you've been counting the costs about what God has been speaking to you, I'm just here to remind you tonight and tell you that we serve a faithful God, that his word is true, that whatever he has spoken to you will come to pass. We can trust his word. We can trust his wages. Take the step of faith today hallelujah god i believe right now lord that the sun is setting lord that the darkness is 
is so apparent in our world. And Lord, we can look and also see with you the fields are white, they're all ready to harvest. And God, we pray for laborers today. God, I pray for laborers in this house tonight that above all things, we would not sacrifice the work of the vineyard for the idleness of the workplace and the marketplace. But God, we seek first your kingdom tonight. Lord, we seek you first and we pray as you taught us to pray, not our will, Lord, but thy will be done. And God, we know the world, they are clamoring and they are so jealous of the gifts and talents and they want to consume our talents for the work of idleness. But God, I speak against that lie today. There's no greater work than the, than the work in the vineyard. God, there's no greater work than teaching a Bible study. God, there's no greater work than taking the time to go to you in prayer. God, there's no greater work than to pray your kingdom come, your will be done. God, there's no greater work than to read your word. God, there's no greater work than to witness to our neighbor. God, there's no greater work than to disciple, Lord, the unbeliever and the lost. God, there's no greater work than to answer your call. Lord, we know in your call there is fullness of joy. There is peace, God. God, and today I pray that the peace of God would enter our hearts and minds. Lord, as we answer the call of God tonight, Lord, as we're quick and willing to say, Lord, not our will, but thy will be done. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. it'd be appropriate if we'd open up these altars. I believe the Lord is speaking.